Blog Talk Radio. Well, good evening, everybody. This is Pastor Ted Payton, Grace Through Faith Worship Center, here with you today. We just want to have our Bible study, so let us pray. Lord, we just thank you for another day. Father, we just bless you. We lift up your holy name, for you are an awesome God. And, Lord, we just want to come and just rest with you, O God. Just rest in you, Lord, just to hear what it is you have to say. Lord, we just thank you for your presence. We thank you for all the things that you're doing in us. Lord, we just thank you for everything. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, today I just want to speak from the book of John the Gospel. John the Gospel, the ninth chapter in John, the Gospel of John. In the Gospels. And the ninth chapter, this is a story. Uh, encounter of Jesus heals the man who was born blind. Jesus healed the man who was born blind. And we just want to read this story, and we just want to talk about it. And I've been talking about faith lately. I've been talking about faith in the sense of we just want to get to know God to the degree that we just begin to believe God, have faith in this word, and have confidence in God. And, Lord, you know, we, we just want to do that. So I'm just going to start reading at the first verse. This is in the Gospel of John, the ninth chapter. And I am reading from the Living Translation. So um, it may read a little different from the King James. So it reads as thus. It says, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Teacher? His disciples asked him, Why was this man born blind? Was it a result of his own sins or those of his parents? Jesus was not, it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. He was born blind so the power of God could be seen in him. All of us must quickly carry out the task assigned us by the one who sent me because there is little time left before the night falls and all work comes to an end. But while I am still here in the world, I am the light of the world. Now what we see here in chapter 9, we see four different reactions to Jesus. The neighbors revealed surprise, and skepticism. The Pharisees show disbelief and prejudice. And the parents believed but kept quiet for fear of excommunication. And the healed man showed consistent, growing faith. The healed man showed consistent and growing faith. His parents believed what they saw, but they was worried about excommunication. They were worried about what people people would say. And then you had the Pharisees. They were just in total disbelief, total disbelief. Now, a common belief in the Jewish culture was that calamity or suffering was the result of some great sin 
But Christ used this man's suffering to teach about faith and to glorify God. You know, we live in a fallen world where good behavior is not always revealed and bad behavior not always punished. Therefore, innocent people sometimes suffer. If God took suffering away whenever we ask, we would follow him for comfort and convenience, not out of love and devotion. Regardless of the reasons for our suffering, Jesus has the power to help us deal with it. When you suffer from a disease, tragedy, or disability, try not to ask why. Did this happen to me? Or what did I do wrong? Instead, ask God to give you strength for the trial and clearer perspective of what is happening. So many times we want to find reasons for things. But what Jesus said, well, this is to glorify God in this instance. Okay, in verse 6 it goes on to say, uh, uh, after Jesus said that he was the light of the world, it goes on to say that, then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and smoothed the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go, Jesus told him, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means sent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing Again, we see that the story in the Bible where Mary says that whatever Jesus tells you to do, do it. In this instance, Jesus did something and he gave specific directions and instructions. And the man carried carried it out just like Jesus said, and we see the results. Jesus told the man to go wash. The man went and washed and came back. Came back what? Seeing. Blindness had been healed. Verse 8. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, Is this the same man, that beggar? Some said he was, and some others said no, but we surely but he surely looked like him. And the beggar kept saying, I am the same man, they asked. Who healed you? What happened? He told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and smoothed it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash off the mud. I went and washed, and now I can see. Where is he now, they asked. I don't know, he replied. Now, the man followed the instruction that Jesus gave him. He did what Jesus told him, and he came back seeing. And immediately we see some people that believe, some were skeptic, and some trying to find reasons or excuses why it happened. Some said, this ain't the, this is not the same guy. And the man said, yes, I am the same guy. I'm the one that he prayed for. I'm the same guy. And then others said, well, you know, the same guy, you know, um, the man says, well, uh, that's not the same person. He says, yes, I am the same person. So you got disbelief going on, then you got explanation going on, you got all of these things going on trying to dispel what had happened or 
not really believe what happened and all of that, but it's one of those things that what we see is that we see that uh, a lot of confusion is going on. So what the religious leaders began to do, they began to question the blind man. They began to question the blind man. And verse 13 says this, Then they took the man to the Pharisees. They took the man to the Pharisees. Now as it happened, Jesus had healed the man on a Sabbath. The Pharisees asked the man about it. So he told them, he smoothed the mud over my eyes, and when it was washed away, I could see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man Jesus is not from God, for he is working on the Sabbath. Others said, but how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs. So there was a deep division of opinion among them, even calling this man, calling Jesus a sinner. Verse 17, then the Pharisees once again questioned the man who had been blind and demanded, this man who opened your eyes, who do you say he is? The man replied, I think he must be a prophet. The Jewish leaders couldn't believe he had been blind, so they called his parents. They asked them, is this your son? Was he born blind? If so, how can he see? His parents replied, we know this is our son and that he was born blind. We know this for sure. But we don't know how he can see or who healed him. He is old enough to speak for himself. Ask him. They said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had announced that anyone saying Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. That's why they said. He is old enough to speak for himself. Ask him. Verse 24. So for the second time they called in the man who had been blind and told him, Give glory to God by telling the truth, because we know Jesus is a sinner. I don't know whether he is a sinner, the man replied. But I know this, I was blind, and now I can see. But what did he do, they asked. How did he heal you? Look, the man explained, I told you once, didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they cursed him and said, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know God spoke to Moses, but as for this man, we don't know anything about him. Verse 30, Why? That's very strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know anything about him? 
Well, God doesn't listen to sinners, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Never since the world began has anyone been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't do it. You were born in sin, they answered. Are you trying to teach us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. Now, these people were so bent on hatred for Jesus. They were so bent on saying, well, this is not God. They were so bent on saying, look, this man is of the devil, and Jesus is of the devil. So they did all these things. And how does that apply to us today? You know, when God does signs and wonders and miracles, there are people ready, even people in religious circles, ready to explain away what God do miraculously or say God didn't do this, or, well, they got an explanation of what God did. It just shows the hardness of heart of man and how God can be so faithful in doing whatever he does. And there are people, yet, it doesn't matter. They will not receive what God has done. They will not believe it. They will still walk in unbelief. And these people, even to the degree that they're saying Jesus is a sinner, Now, Jesus teaches about uh, spiritual blindness, and this is what he says in verse 35. When Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And the man answered, Who is he, sir? Because I would like to. You have seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, the man said, I believe. And he worshiped Jesus. Then Jesus told him, I have come to judge the world. I have come to give sight to the blind and to show those who think they see that they are blind. The Pharisees who were standing there heard him and asked, Are you saying we are blind? (laughs) Jesus said it right to their face. He said, Are you saying we are blind? Verse 41, if you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty. If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied. But you remain guilty because you claim you can see. Because you claim you can see. And that was Jesus' response. They claimed that they can see. The Pharisees were shocked that Jesus thought that they were blind. Jesus countered by saying that if you were only blind, which means stubbornness or stupidity, that could excuse their behavior. But to those who remained open and recognized how sin had truly blinded them from knowing the truth, he gave spiritual understanding and insight. But he rejected those who became complacent self-satisfied, and blind. I mean, you're just going to stand there seeing what had happened, being a witness to what had happened, and still denying it, and still denying it. And in this case, the longer this man experienced his new life through Christ, the more confident he became in the one who had healed him. 
He gained not only his physical fight, but he also gained his spiritual fight as he recognized Jesus as a prophet, then as his Lord. When you turn to Christ, you begin to see him differently. The longer you walk with him, the better you'll get to know and understand who he is. Peter tells us this, to grow in this special favor and knowledge of our Lord, the Savior Jesus Christ. We have to grow into that. If you want to know about Jesus, keep walking with him. Keep studying this word. Keep taking time to spend with him. And how do you spend time with him? You spend time in his word. You spend time in his word, and the more you do that, the more you get to know him. The more you fellowship with God's people, the more you get to know him. But when you have just this hardness of heart, this hardness of heart just, you know, just not allowing uh, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, to, to get down in you. The more you do that and the more you resist, then the more, the more you're just going to stray away from the Lord and the more you are in danger of being lost forever. You're in danger of being lost forever because people go to hell because they don't accept Christ. They don't believe in him. That's the ultimate sin, not to believe on Jesus Christ. That's the ultimate sin. That's why people will spend eternity in hell, simply because they did not believe in Jesus Christ. They did not accept Christ. Because, see, accepting Christ, that's the remedy for sin, all sin, is that we accept Christ. When we accept Christ in our life, that's the solution to everything else. And if you reject Christ, then you reject the solution to everything in your life. You reject it. And that's why when people um, reject those things as representative of Christ, they're not rejecting people, but they are rejecting Christ himself. They're rejecting Christ himself. That's how you have people that preach and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ, and people reject them and ostracize them. It's not them that they are rejecting. It is the Christ in them that they are rejecting. And when you allow when you allow your self-centeredness, your hardness of heart to keep you from reaching out to Jesus and accepting him, then you are rejecting him. And when you reject Christ, there is nowhere else to go with it. Because Jesus said, if you don't come, you won't get to my Father unless you come through me. And if you reject Christ, there is nowhere else to go. There's nowhere else to go. There's nowhere else to go. Signs and wonders. These are things that's there. To get the attention of people that don't believe. And we will open up our eyes and our hearts to see the impossible, to see Jesus as he is. Then we can benefit. But when we don't, then we won't, we won't see him. Just imagine that, a blind person. Not only was this man blind, but he was blind from birth. He was born that way. This man had never, ever, ever seen in his entire life. And undoubtedly he is a young adult now because his parents say, well, he's old enough to speak for himself. 
Let him let him answer. So to be blind, not only just blind, but blind from birth, he had never been seen. So it's no doubt about who this man was. Because everybody in that area knew him. They knew him and they knew his family. And now they're going to pretend that, well, maybe this is somebody else. Come on. They knew better. Some people will go out of their way to display unbelief and disbelief. Go out of their way. Oh, God, don't do that today. Well, let me tell you what. If God don't do signs and wonders and heal sickness and diseases today, then it's got to be a problem with someone who believed that to go to the hospital trying to get well. Why are you going to go try to get well if you think God is putting it on you? Something wrong with that picture, right? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with going to the doctor, but what I am saying is this. If you believe that God makes us sick, then why do we go to the doctor trying to get well? Why don't we just live out the will of God? If that's what you think is his will for you to be sick, why don't you just live it out and live in his will? Why go to the doctor trying to come against God's will? If that's your logic for saying God doesn't do that today, he puts it on us, but he doesn't. He absolutely doesn't. God heals today. There are signs and wonders today. And for those whom he rests upon that would allow his presence to go from them to operate in and upon the lives of other people, God is doing the same thing. As a believer, we have been empowered to heal the sick, cast out demons. We've been empowered to do that. And the Bible says if a prophet is perceived as a prophet, they will see the prophet reward. When someone speaks to you of sign and want a miracle or pray for you, recognize that person as an instrument of the kingdom. And when you do that, you will see that kingdom reward. You will be healed because you'll be believing upon the name of Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for all that you're doing in us and began to teach us. Teach us how to believe upon that name of Jesus Christ, how to believe in you, how to allow the Holy Spirit to operate in our lives, how to allow the Holy Spirit to rest upon us, how to allow the Holy Spirit to go out and do those things for which he's been uh, ordained to do, operating through us. The Holy Spirit wants to operate in us. Lord, we thank you for even as we understand in the word how Gideon, the Bible says the Holy Spirit put on Gideon like a glove. And Gideon was just a puppet that the Holy Spirit just took and worked through. Lord, we know that's where you want to do our life. You want to put us on as a glove. And you want to just have us to operate just like a puppet to do those things. Lord, that's the way you would like to operate in our lives. And all we need to do to have that is just to surrender totally to you. Just surrender our life totally to you. And allow you to work through us. Allow you to work signs and wonders through us. Allow you to do in us all those things that you've commissioned us to do by your power and by your authority. So, Father, we thank you for it, and we bless you. 
and we lift up your holy name, for you are great. You are a great, great God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, that's it for today. This is Pastor Ted Payton. This is April 19th. Uh, we thank you for listening, and we look forward to seeing you this time next week, same time, 7 o'clock. And Sundays, remember, Sunday morning worship, 9.30 a.m., 4857 Glendale Road at the Dew Valley Event Center. So, look, stay tuned, and we'll see you then, and we'll see you this time next week. Be blessed. This is Pastor Ted Payton saying good evening, everybody. Bye now. <laughs>